This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back in, everybody. It is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. The Black and Blue Report is ready to go on this Thursday. And greetings to you from the Smoothie King Center studios in downtown New Orleans. Cheers. I only say that because of one of our guests today. But uh, cheers today from the Smoothie King Center where the Pelicans will play the Indiana Pacers tonight. I'm Sean Kelly. Glad you're with us. And, yes, we have an Englishman on the show today. I think for the first time ever we will go overseas for a Black and Blue Report guest. And Neil Reynolds will join us from the U.K. today to talk about the Saints playing against the Dolphins in London at Wembley Stadium the next fall. And uh, that'll be a great conversation today. Otherwise, on the football front, a little bit interesting yesterday, although not all too unexpected, was Teron Armstead being placed on an injured reserve for the Saints. Uh, you know, he's, he's been battling a bunch of stuff kind of all season. But uh, on, after playing last week at Tampa, now uh, appears to be done for the season. The Saints today on Airline Drive are continuing preparations for their game against the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. And uh, we'll have full uh, coverage for you on NewOrleansSaints.com a little bit later after practice uh, but today, we'll talk uh, Saints football with those in the U.K. And, uh, and what that will be like next fall when the Saints make a return trip to England for their second-ever regular season game. On the basketball side on today's show, Jerry Greenberg from NBA TV was kind enough to visit with Daniel Salerson yesterday to talk about the Pelicans, talk a little bit about tonight's matchup between the Pelicans and the Pacers, but a bigger-picture look at the NBA in general. Speaking of the bigger picture of the NBA, we have a new CBA tentatively agreed to between the Players Association and the league. Uh, and what that means is that there is labor peace, it looks like, for the next six years because that will take effect probably. The new deal will take effect uh, this summer. And what they've done here in the short term is they push back the deadline for both sides to uh, opt out of the current CBA. That was supposed to be today, but they're going to push it back a little bit and allow um, each side to vote on it, ratify it, the whole nine yards. So it sounds like uh, a lot of hard work and a lot of advance work uh, is going to pay off. And with all this money right now involved and uh, the quality of the product right now and everything else, this is a good thing. Uh, I myself have gone through a lockout already. Uh, others that I've worked with have been through two in their careers. And to, to know that this will be avoided uh, is a very good thing. So pleased about that. I'm sure we'll be talking about that uh, in the coming weeks. I don't think there's any hurry as of yet. As far as tonight's game goes, there are tickets available. I'll give you some details about that here before we clear out this Thursday edition. But uh, when we take our first break here in a moment, we'll come back with Neil Reynolds from the UK. And then Jerry Greenberg from NBA TV joins Daniel after that. This holiday season, give the gift of New Orleans Pelicans basketball to that special sports fan in your life. The Pelicans Holiday Plan, presented by Tomino's, lets you pick four games to stick under the tree. Guarantee great seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one-topping pizza from Domino's. Visit pelicans.com to check another name off that holiday shopping list today. Got a long day ahead? 
Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. This might be the first time on the Black and Blue Report that we've gone overseas for a guest. And we'll go across the Atlantic over to London, England, where we welcome in Neil Reynolds, who is an NFL reporter based in the U.K., Uh, He probably uh, doesn't have a spare moment these days because he's involved in about 16 different things, including the Huddle podcast, Sky Sports TV, among others, and uh, glad to uh, cover American football for those over uh, in England. Neil, first of all, welcome. Good day to you, sir. Uh, Thanks for having me, Sean. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm enjoying the the increased games coming to to London. The activity of the NFL continues to grow year on year, and, um, you know, being a being a typical I'm going to do this interview while sipping a cup of tea. Oh, perfect. It is that time of day, isn't it, over there? Exactly. It is. It's 3.30 in the afternoon, so I'm, uh, I'm you know, it's cup of tea time. So, uh, yeah, nothing if not cliche. Yes, indeed. But proper, as we mentioned uh, just moments ago in our <laughs> pre-visit. Uh, Neil, let me ask you this, and forgive the simplicity of the question. Why is the NFL coming over with this regularity? Uh, I think what happened originally was there was a... There was a, a first go-around, if you will. Uh, the NFL on TV here in the 1980s was very big, uh, but then the sport kind of went away, and there was always this feeling that there was a, a latent fan base here. So there was one regular season game brought back in 2007, uh, something of an experiment, and I think there, there may have been uh, you know, a few, get, few years gap after that if it hadn't worked out, but it was was so well received by the fans sold out within a matter of hours and every game since then has sold out that every time the nfl gives more to the uk the fans want more and uh as we're as we're speaking now the season ticket sales have started for uh, the 2017 games and they're kind of on the same pace as uh as the 2016 and that will mean that they'll be in the in the in the big stadium 82,000 Stadium. We're going to be looking at about half of that stadium is going to be season ticket holders. So it's um, it continues to grow. The NFL recognises an opportunity to to grow the game internationally, and also they've done it so many times now that they kind of got the logistics squared away. It was announced earlier this week that the Saints will be a part of that package next year and playing the Miami Dolphins. Neil, um, does it matter which teams are involved in the package that go to London? Uh, I don't think it does, actually, to be honest, because, you know, you know the, obviously the, the Cleveland Browns aren't are one of them and they haven't done too well uh, this year or last, and it doesn't seem to be putting off um, the, the sales of the tickets. So I think it helps to have, you know, of course it helps. The Miami Dolphins are one of the more popular teams uh, in the UK because they were kind of big the first go around in the 1980s. It helps to have future Hall of Famers like Drew Brees come over. So I think it's, I think the fans look at the, the, the kind of star power and they'll see you know, Drew Brees and they'll see uh, David Johnson of the Cardinals. When you look across the whole series, they'll see Aaron Donald of the Rams. So I, I don't 
haven't noticed any any let up based on the teams that come over. Every, everything has sold out so far, and it, at the moment, it seems to be paced in the same way for 2017. Neil, you know, in in England, where football stadiums, and, I, and by that I mean soccer, as it's referred to here. Uh, neighborhood stadiums all over the place, uh, you know, culturally rich franchises, identity with their fans. Uh, that fuels the passion for that sport. But what about American football? Is it is it just to watch something different or unique? Or uh, do, do folks there truly have their favorite teams and therefore wear, you know, the colors and, and, and come up with their own chants and cheers for these NFL teams that come your way? They, they don't necessarily have the chants and cheers like you would expect from a traditional soccer match, but they do have a passionate following uh, for the sport. And when we're, when we're broadcasting on, on Sky Sports, they are extremely knowledgeable. They, they're in-depth in terms of how much they watch. You know, on Sky Sports, we, we show Thursday night football. We show three games on a Sunday. Uh, we show Monday night football. Um, and fans can pretty much watch as much in the U.K. as they uh, as they can if they were living in New York or Miami or New Orleans. You know, it's that kind of level of coverage now. And you know, you'll see it when you come over. You'll see on game day at Wembley Stadium, you'll see all 32 NFL jerseys represented and, and literally a sea of NFL jerseys. There's barely a person who comes to the stadium who isn't wearing an NFL jersey. So um, they're very much a passionate group who kind of share a love of the NFL rather than, uh, a love of a single team so there's not that kind of rivalry you would get in uh, among the English soccer fans uh, for that reason that's what makes the NFL games in London a great day out for, for the whole family the Saints have been there once before for the regular season another time much longer ago for a preseason game Neil it seemed back in the past that teams would come and spend an entire week in preparation for their game uh, in England that seems to have cut, been cut down a little bit Maybe not a whole week, but now several days. Have the NFL teams figured out the right formula in that travel and, and preparation while on the ground in England? I think we've seen a trend, in, and you know the NFL, Sean, is a copycat league. As people start to see somebody do one thing and have uh, success with it, then they, they want to sort of emulate that. It's very much early on, a very different two schools of thought. You get your work done in the U.S. and you fly in late and then just play the game. Uh, or you come out to the UK early and then you do all your work week out here. Obviously, as a reporter covering the league, I like to have the teams in early. It gives us great access, that kind of stuff. But you know, last year, the teams that came in late were the ones winning the game. So if there's no statistical proof either way. It's kind of really a, uh, sort of up in the air in that sense. Uh, but I would say we, I would not be surprised to see more teams start to come in late, get their work done in America uh, and then come over. I was actually at that first uh, that first uh, friendly, the American Bowl game in the late eighties. I was there. I was there as a fan. John Four K started a quarterback for the Saints that day. Wow, John's still quite uh, quite busy around this city as uh, as we even speak. So that's that's <laughs> a great throwback there. You know, uh, l- let me just go off to the side for a moment. You mentioned you went as a fan. When did you start to make, or when there was when there was when was there room in your profession? to cover the NFL and make that a legitimate go? Well, I mean, I, I started out working as a, a young reporter in 91, uh, doing NFL stuff on and off. But I'd say from from 97 onwards, I've been covering NFL full-time. And that's all I do now is uh, uh, is NFL. So it's, um, 
you know, there's not huge numbers of people that are able to do what I do and cover the NFL exclusively year round, but that is that is what I do, and I think as the sport grows, then we'll see more people doing that. Neil, if if a Saints fan were to go to Wembley Stadium next fall to see the Saints play the Dolphins, when they walk in the stadium and experience the game at Wembley, how different is that atmosphere or look uh, from what you would see in an, in an American NFL stadium? Um, really, not not hugely different. I think you'll see. I think you'll see that that you know we, there's always that kind of perception. Oh well, they'll only cheer the field goals. It's not like that. We cheer. We're cheering all the right places. You give us a good game, then we're going to make a lot of noise and be excited. If we have a blowout, then we're probably going to be quiet and sitting on our hands. You know, we are a little bit more reserved, us Brits. But, um, it is, uh, it's the same kind of atmosphere, and they, uh, the NFL work very closely with the home teams, and, and so it will be a lot of the same music and videos and recreating whatever you would normally see at a Dolphins home game. In terms of the, uh, the stadium, it's... It's a sensational backdrop, Wembley Stadium. It reminds me, it's actually a lot like uh, the Arizona Cardinals Stadium. So it's, um, you know, it's a great stadium. It's, uh, it will have a good atmosphere. But what you'll see is, uh, is more of a, obviously, it'd be more of a, players call it like a, a Super Bowl atmosphere. And by that, I mean that you've got, you've got a split in the crowd. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have people cheering for the Saints and you're going to have people cheering for the Dolphins. It's not going to be... Uh, full-on, true home field advantage, even though you know, that's certainly what Miami would be hoping to create. Neil Reynolds is with us here from London today. And Neil, let me ask you this. Will, a, when a, will an NFL franchise ever move to London, or have we reached the perfect fit here? A couple of games a year, and that satisfies the fan base in the U.K.? Um, I think it depends who you speak to. I think some of the some of the fans are happy to have those four games a year and and have it be that because they've already got their existing teams. I think the NFL are very serious about putting a franchise here. If you uh, if you can sell out, we're, we're now going to be at a stage. This this is going to be half a home game slate for a, for an NFL team this year. Four four games. Uh, we're, we're we're sort of on pace and you know hopefully going to sell those out. Then that's going to be. That's going to be quite a statement to the to the NFL. I think you've only got to look at sometimes the the, the stadiums in in Miami. Look at last weekend in San Francisco. There's a lot of empty seats. Uh, there are stadium uncertainties in San Diego and Oakland and some of those teams. So, you know, as we've, we've got another new stadium coming online next year in London, a Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, uh, which is going to build a. Uh, it's got specific NFL locker rooms in there. It's going to have. One side of the stadium is an entrance for NFL. The other side is an entrance for uh, the soccer team that plays there. It's going to have two fields. So the grass field will roll out of the stadium and up will come an AstroTurf field, which you can play NFL games on. That holds 61,000 fans. And I think that is going to be one to watch because that's more the size you want of an NFL stadium these days. Uh, And I think, I still think we're going to have a franchise one day. I think it's going to be, it's going to be attractive to to owners and to the NFL. You know, it's not just a it's not just a, a pipe dream of the British NFL fan. You've got Jerry Jones saying he wants to put a franchise here. Robert Kraft, Woody Johnson, Mike Brown of the Bengals. I mean, there's influential owners around the NFL that uh, want to make that happen. So I think it's uh, it's a very realistic possibility. Those owners generally get what they want. There's no doubt about that, Neil. Yes, that is, well, exactly, <laughs> and that's where you feel like you know at some point whether it's 
you know, maybe the time frame we're looking at is around the next CBA. But, you know, it's, uh, it's something that could happen within the next five years. And because, you know, if they start to think they're maxing out or tapping out in, uh, in, in the United States, they, they need to have a lot of comfort about where they go next, and, and, and London certainly gives them that from a logistical point of view. Neil, let's say a New Orleans Saints fan uh, wants to take advantage of the fact that, A, number one, there are going to be nonstop flights between New Orleans and London starting in 2017, uh, but then to make a holiday out of this uh, Saints-Dolphins game in the fall, uh, whether it be a sports holiday or a first time to, to England, what would a local like yourself encourage them to do as a part of their visit? Um, I think certainly uh, I, I would say you, you know you get the atmosphere of a uh, of a Premier League match, a, a soccer match. If you're a sports fan, then that would be a good thing to come and uh, experience. There's a lot of teams in London that uh, that play on a Saturday afternoon. One of the things the NFL is very clear about doing is making it an entire weekend. So if you're a Saints fan who comes over and you you want to go to the game at Wembley Stadium, the chances are we will be uh, putting on a bit, uh, fan rally the day before. Uh, I've always hosted those for the NFL, so we we bring out alumni from both competing teams. Uh, we we have the visiting teams come and see us, so we, we normally have uh, you know head coach, quarterback, and then five or six other players come on stage. So you can, you can have an afternoon's entertainment the day before the game, uh, with the game being played on the Sunday, I'll be hosting the tailgate party outside uh, Wembley Stadium, and they make a whole day of it and really lay on, uh, you know, music acts, football interviews, again the alumni and player visits, that kind of stuff. So you can make a whole NFL weekend out of it, and then, uh, yeah, hopefully go. Well, I'm going to say this because I'm on the Saints uh, network now, but you know, go home happy with a Saints win. Yes, indeed. I appreciate you leaning that toward the Saints fans, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Neil, one final thing for you here uh, on this on this uh, Thursday visit, and that is this. There was some moaning and groaning throughout the season this year about when the games were played in England, that uh, kickoff time was, you know, in the morning here in the States, 9.30 a.m. for those of us in the central time zone. Uh, and I know there's a want to adjust that perhaps to not make the NFL day so long and therefore affect ratings and, and, the, and the network pregame shows over here. Um, what would a time change do to kick off and fans in England? Uh, we, we, that's how we started out with those games. It was like a, five, a 6 p.m. kickoff uh, UK time, so back to the 1 p.m. Eastern time for, for the U.S. Um, the one big change it makes is that we, we are uh, based in games in London, but fans come from all over the United Kingdom. Uh, that limits them getting home on a Sunday night when the game finishes uh, at Wembley Stadium at, at 9 p.m. or 9:30, and they're making their way home on public transport on a on a Sunday. That's difficult. Uh, younger fans may be a little bit more excluded if it's an evening kickoff. Um, but I would I would sort of throw a note of caution in there because I know it seems uh, it's been reported in the U.S. that that's a done deal in terms of all the games moving back to evening kickoffs local time uh, in the UK. My sources uh, suggest that is not a done deal and that there could still be uh, some of those lunchtime kickoffs. So I guess we'll wait and see uh, how that plays out. All right, indeed. We shall see. Neil Reynolds, BritViewNFL.com, Inside the Huddle podcast and Sky Sports TV. I am very um, sorry to interrupt afternoon tea today, Neil, and I appreciate the visit very much. 
I appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. I think we will, because we'll be talking again before the Saints arrive in the fall. That's Neil Reynolds with us from London today on the Black and Blue Report, and we'll continue in just a moment. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Hey, New Orleans! The world's biggest party just got even bigger because NBA All-Star 2017 is coming to the Big Easy. You know about the big game on Sunday, but there's a whole weekend of fun. Starting Friday night, come check out the BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game. Then the D-League All-Star Game on Saturday. Even watch the best athletes in the world get ready at All-Star Practice. Tickets start at just $10. Don't miss out. Visit NBATickets.com now. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Time now to talk NBA on this Thursday. Join me now is NBA TV host and reporter Jared Greenberg. You can see Jared on the network's 10 Before Tip airing regularly at 5.30 p.m. Central. Jared, good to have you back on the podcast, my friend. Dan, thanks for having me. Yep, anytime. Jared, uh, we are more than a quarter of the way through the NBA season now, so we've had a chance to watch each team and get a feel for how their season is going to go or how they've started. I want to start with a surprise team. Give me one from each conference that's kind of caught your eye so far through this season. Uh, are we going positive or negative here, Dan? Either way. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, from 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 a, a positive standpoint, you know, I, I think the Rockets have kind of stunned me in the Western Conference. Um you know, I, I don't want to jump on the whole cliche bandwagon of I didn't think they'd play defense. I, I just thought that you were putting a whole lot of new pieces together in a system that may take some time to learn with players that Pelican fans know very well mm-hmm. are often on the bench in street clothes rather than in uniform. But they've been healthy. They've learned the system, played a little bit of defense, especially when it counts. And James Harden is uh, right at the forefront of the uh, MVP conversation. So I think the Rockets have have been certainly one of the biggest surprises for me. Um, And I should also mention Memphis, (laughs) you know, um, just with with all the injuries, they continue to suffer. And the fact that they've got 17 wins at this point, I I think is nothing short of of remarkable. 
Um, a little surprise at Dallas. I didn't think they'd be this bad, but again, I also thought they'd be a little healthier. Um, in terms of the Eastern Conference, um, I'm a little disappointed in the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I thought that they'd be a lot better at this point, but again, similar to the Rockets, I thought that they would take a little while to get going with a, a new head coach and a lot of new pieces and, and, um, you know, Paul George finally, you know, having a summer of good health and, and, and coming together. Um, you know, I thought, I thought the Pacers would be, uh, much better than one game over 500 at this point. Maybe not threatening the Cavs atop the East, but, but certainly not, um, you know, on, on the verge of being outside of the playoff picture. I'm glad he brought up Memphis because they have, they are a team that has caught, I think, everyone's attention with the way they've been playing through all the injuries. So what is it about them that is, uh, letting them continue to play well despite you have Mike Conley out, Chandler Parsons out, um, you've missed Zach Randolph for a little bit, uh, due to the death in the family. What is it about them that, you've seen that shows that they're playing well right now. You know, Dan, I, I, I as I've already referenced, I, I, I hate going the cliche route and just mm-hmm. falling back on something that some, that people always say, but maybe, maybe there's something to it. And maybe it's more than just a saying in, in Memphis, because it seems like whoever they plug in there, there's, you know, usually one of their core guys available that maintains the, the culture that they have built up over the last several years and, and now on their third different coach, but still, even though playing a bit different and using different lineups and rotations and having new faces in there, you know, whether it is Zach Randolph, uh, like he was a, a couple of nights ago in there by himself, or whether it's Marcus Gasol, who, you know, last week was player of the week in the conference and, and he had been, you know, he thrust himself into the MVP conversation. These guys just maintain that, 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 that pride that they play with, that grit and grind. And again, you know, I hate to fall back and just say that, but, but I think there's, there's something to it because, you know, even last year when, when it seemed like they were running, you know, I, I know Pelicans fans aren't going to feel sorry for them, but, you know, when, when the Memphis Grizzlies were running, you know, record number of guys out there, uh, for a season, uh, they, they still found a way to make the playoffs and they still found a way to, to maintain their identity, which I think is something that, that's pretty, uh, pretty significant and a big reason why they're, they're still in the, the midst of things here. Yeah, the grit and grind has definitely been something that uh, they've lived on. It, it's been good for them so far. Um, I want to talk about the Pelicans. Unfortunately, not the start that uh, us, we anticipated here. 8-18 eight and 18, um, showed some promise in the loss to Golden State on Tuesday night. What have you seen from the Pelicans so far this season? Is it too late to turn things around for this year? Well, I think we've seen what, what everybody knew. Uh, having a veteran point guard that has the ability to play at an all-star level it means something. And it's not to take anything away from Tim Frazier because, man, Tim Frazier seems to be getting better with True Holiday coming back. Uh, but how great would it have been to have Frazier as the backup for the entire season and have Holiday be the starter and not just take some of the pressure off, but also understand how to complement and how to play around Anthony Davis. Um, you know, that game against the Warriors I found to be uh, eerily similar in, in – in the fact, uh, in, in to the second game of the year, you'll recall when, when I think we spoke last, Dan, yep. when the Warriors were in Smoothie King Center, and Anthony Davis uh, led this um, charge late in the game, and you knew that AD was going to get the ball and he would have to do everything, and he did it. <laughs> and ultimately, the Pelicans fell a bit short in game number two, uh, as they did the other night against the Warriors again, but at least the other night, you saw Langston Galloway have big contributions. Tim Frazier make big plays. Obviously, you know, having Drew Holiday there as the steady hand is, is always important. And I think that, you know, there, there, there's 
starting to see that once you have a full roster together, and they're still not even there, as you know, Dan, but um, you, you've got to have, you've got to be able to throw, you know, four and five guys or rotations of, of guys out there that, that have NBA experience and have played at a high level and, and are, you know, coming in with some knowledge of how Alvin Gentry wants to run the system. Uh, I just think it's it's got to be real frustrating. I, I think most people around the NBA feel for, for the Pelicans this year. Yeah, it's been frustrating, that's for sure. Uh, one of the uh, main bright spots, of course, is Anthony Davis, who's been playing out of his mind, top uh, two scorer, been leading the way for most of the time here as far as points per game. Uh, is he an MVP contender right now, or does the team record really put a damper on his chances to win it? Well, I think it depends on what you define as contender. Um, I, I think his name will be in the midst. I think his name will, uh, at this point, probably just fall outside the top five if, if I were voting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess, thankfully, for Pelican fans, I don't vote. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think history has shown us that, that wins mean more than any other stat when determining evenly matched MVP candidates. Um, typically, it comes from the one or two seed in each conference. And typically, the MVP ha- is on a team that has won 50 games. I mean, that's the way it's been for about 30-plus years now in the NBA. Not to say that uh, Anthony Davis doesn't have the ability to buck that trend. I-, I would think, though, it would be very, very difficult in this year when Andy is not the only one putting up historic numbers night in and night out. Obviously, uh, Pelican fans uh, are well aware of what Russell Westbrook's been doing, what James Harden's been doing. I think that it's a little easy to forget about what LeBron James does and his value to the Cavs and also how good Kevin Durant has been with all the questions about how they would mesh and there was only one basketball and what they would be able to do. Durant is doing more with less and doing it at a rate that he's never done it before in his career. I mean, across the board, it looks like career numbers for Durant. Uh, He's rebounding. He's blocking shots. He's obviously scoring at a high clip, and he's also giving the Warriors an added dimension that they hadn't had the last couple of years, and that was a constant threat to get to the free-throw line. So when you factor in those guys, and oh, by the way, I haven't even gotten to Kawhi Leonard yet, yeah. um, you know, I, I think it's, a, it's going to be very difficult for Anthony Davis to get into that MVP mix when I've just mentioned, I think, uh, five or six guys, all who have their team not only um, in the playoff mix, but battling for home court advantage as we're nearing Christmas. Yeah, you mentioned those five or six guys who will be in the MVP talk, that's for sure. So out of all those guys, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because I know it's tough right now, but who is your MVP right now if you had to vote today? Well, you know, I've been been going Westbrook strong, and I haven't really wavered from that, and I think I still want to go there, Uh, but I think – you know, what I've seen from James Harden the last couple of weeks and, and, and last couple of games, some of the wins they've come up with, especially against Russell Westbrook in OKC. Um, you know, I, I think you really have to, with these guys being so even, you know, um, Harden doesn't have certainly the triple-double numbers, but, but both Harden and Westbrook right now have the ability to be the first guys in Tiny Archibald to, to lead the league in, a, in scoring and assists, which is another remarkable feat. Um, but you have to ask yourself, who is doing more with less? And it's not to me meant as disrespectful to the other to, to their teams, but I think it's how you value it. And I keep on going back and forth. You know, obviously, I think that there's a lot of good talent on Houston. I think there's some young up and coming talent on OKC. Uh, I would probably lean as a whole one through fifteen, or really two through fifteen. You'd say that the Rockets have more well-rounded 
talent than the Thunder do. So you're you're saying that that Westbrook does more with less, but at the same time, I just have a hard time at this point with the way Harden has been performing. Um, I'm just thankful that we still have a few more months to yeah. go, and we haven't even hit Christmas yet, and we're in this uh, debate because you know it's so fun with, with so much talk about oh, we're just going to pencil in the Cavs and Warriors in the finals. Once again, we've got nothing to watch. Well, I think these guys, along with Kawhi Leonard, along with what Anthony Davis is doing and and LeBron James and Kevin Durant and so many other guys around the league, they've given us a reason to be locked into NBA TV and then league pass every night because there's a show, and it seems like we're talking about another historical milestone each and every time one of these guys takes the floor. Yeah, it's certainly been fun to watch so far, that's for sure. I think it's only going to get better as the season continues. That's NBA TV's host and reporter Jared Greenberg. You can see Jared on the network's 10 before tip, airing regularly at 5.30 p.m. Central here. And you can follow him on Twitter at Jared S. Greenberg. Jared, I appreciate the time. We'll talk to you down the road. Dan, you got it. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you. Win the night with your New Orleans Pelicans on Wednesday, December 21st at 7 p.m. when the Oklahoma City Thunder come to the Smoothie King Center. See your Pelicans, led by all-star Anthony Davis, face off against Russell Westbrook in this Western Conference showdown. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 5.30 with live music, inflatable games for the kids, and more. Tickets start as low as $26. Visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Hey, just a couple of other football notes from yesterday's Saints practice, kind of the first of the week. Uh, we already talked about Teron Armstead. Michael Thomas was back on the field for the portion of practice I was able to watch. So was Max Unger, although it was hard to tell how much he would be able to participate in yesterday's practice. And we'll see uh, how things go with the uh, practice injury report later on today. Tim Lolito was still working uh, quite a bit at center. Again, this very small window of time that I was at practice yesterday. So that's good news. Delvin Bro, not at practice yesterday. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. As we progress, as I mentioned, we'll have uh, more for you from the Saints locker room after practice today on NewOrleansSaints.com. On the basketball side, busy day. Uh, the Pelicans are now done with their morning shoot-around at the Smoothie King Center. Uh, later, later on today, lots of coverage of tonight's game, the, the finale of this homestand. On the television side, it's Fox Sports New Orleans tonight. They'll be on there at 6.30 Central with tip-off at 7. The radio side, a little more extensive here on this Thursday. Just like last Thursday, uh, we move forward the uh, start time for the Alvin Gentry Show, which airs on Thursdays with Daniel Salerson. The Alvin Gentry Show will begin at 5.30, 5.30 Central on 99.5 WRNO-FM. That will lead up to Pelicans warm-up at 6.30 and then tip-off uh, at 7 o'clock. And, uh, boy, do the Pelicans owe the Pacers one here. It's 10 straight losses to Indiana. So go back five years 
basically, uh, since the last time the Pelicans, well, 2011, yeah, um, since the Pelicans beat the Indiana Pacers. Tim Frazier may not be able to go tonight. We'll see how his uh, wrist slash hand is. Tyreek Evans may be coming back tonight. We'll see. You'll have to tune in later today and uh, find out, of course, starting with the Alvin Gentry Show at 530 on your radio. That'll do it for us here on the Black and Blue Report today. Again, thanks to Jared Greenberg from NBA TV and also Neil Reynolds from Sky TV Sports, the Inside the uh, Huddle podcast, and the Brit View, uh, Brit NFL View, Brit View, BritNFLView.com uh, joining us from, from London today. Good show. Hope you have a race. Oh, let me try that again. Hope you have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. And. Uh, Go Pelicans tonight. We'll see you on the radio. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.